T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard on this Wednesday night as uh, we discuss the Eagles and what they're going to do here on Sunday with Jalen Hurts and the implications of this game. And really, the the difference between the one seed and the five seed, which it likely would be if, if Dallas goes out there and Beats the Washington Commanders. We're going to start Sam Howell on Sunday. I mean, Dallas would walk into the division. The Eagles could walk right out of it. And I think it is extremely significant. The Eagles win this football game. How they do it and the way they use Jalen Hurts, that's that's the, really the story now as we enter Week 18. Ben Brown, fo- pro football focus, joining us right now on the guest line to talk about Jalen Hurts, the Eagles, and the importance of this game on Sunday. Ben, how you doing tonight? Hey, uh, I'm doing pretty well, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well, and uh, you know, just trying to figure out if Jalen Hurts is going to come back and play in this game. Ben, before we discuss what the Eagles should do here this weekend, um, how massive is the difference in your mind for the Eagles? Uh, you know, we know the one and two seed is potentially up for grabs with the Niners, but really, it's the one and five seed potentially because if they win, they'll be the one and win the division. If they lose and Dallas wins. The Eagles would fall all the way to the five seed in the NFC in terms of Super Bowl chances and just uh, their, you know, their odds to make it uh, all the way. How massive is the difference between a win and a loss this weekend? You know, being able to rest at home while the rest of the conference kind of, you know, does their battle in the wild card round of the playoffs is an absolutely massive, you know, um, I would say situation that you very much want to find yourself in. The, the, the problem, of course, is if, you know, if they lose this game somehow as two touchdown, you know, favorites against the New York Giants and do end up as that 50, like it's, it's almost going to feel like history in some ways repeating themselves with a first round matchup against, you know, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who very much, I would say, you know, discarded the Philadelphia Eagles quite quickly and quite easily in the playoffs in the wild card round last year and having to actually travel to Tampa Bay and kind of relive that scenario, especially with how bad of a free fall that would end up being from the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, essentially having pretty much, you know, the number one seed locked in if they can win any one of these remaining four stretches of games and losing all of them, it is going to be, I would say, a, a pretty drastic downfall. So I think just from like a, you know, a, a standpoint of them kind of needing to prove themselves a little bit, this is very much a spot where I think they absolutely have to solidify 
that number one seed and have Jalen Hurts, I would say, look good at least through the first half. Uh, in doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, and it does feel like, Ben, just looking at the, the betting odds on the game uh, and the line of the game, it feels like the perception is that they're going to get a gift here from the Giants. However they handle Hurts, um, independent of that, it, it, it sounds like the Giants, or it could be the Giants, aren't playing anybody. What, what's your perspective on that? We haven't gotten official word yet. You know, Brian Dable's keeping it close to the vest, but it doesn't really feel like there's any upside to the Giants trying to play their hardest and, and play their guys on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have them, you know, locked into the sixth seed in that FC wildcard round. They can't move, you know, from that position no matter what. So they really don't have, you know, much to play for at this point in time. And and unless there's going to be some sort of break because of the, you know, the, the the confounding factors outside of this particular match, but maybe the Giants get, you know, an extended buy for that reason. Like this is their chance out. They kind of get healthy, get guys back in the fold, you know, and, and very much set themselves up in order to kind of go into that wild card round with with everything kind of in place. So I would very much, you know, believe that Brian DeBole has kind of shown the ability to, I would say, think logically and think critically about some of these situations. And I very much think this is kind of one of those situations where he is going to back off relatively early on, even if we do end up seeing, you know, guys like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley early on in the game. I, I would not, and I would be absolutely shocked if we have them see anywhere close to, I would say, like a full complement of snaps coming up here on Sunday. So it does seem like, you know, the, the Eagles are getting – you know, a, a little bit of, you know, a soft spot because of that situation. I think that very much, you know, benefits the Eagles coming up here on Sunday. Ben, are you surprised um, that the Eagles have struggled as much as they have the last couple weeks without, without Jalen Hurts? The one thing I've noticed um, and how they're different without him compared to with him, because it, it was interesting to figure it out, right? Because we had all that debate a couple of weeks ago and Chris Sims and Micah Parsons, you know, system quarterback and all that thing. But the one thing I've noticed the last two weeks is, you know, their explosive plays, they're still generating them in the passing and they're still getting some big plays down the field. Like, you know, to use a baseball term, almost like hitting home runs, but they're not staying on the field. They're not converting first downs. It, it feels like they're not getting on base as much to use the baseball analogy. Like, yeah, they'll still make some big plays, but the offense is just, it's very choppy and not fluid without Hurts out there. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that kind of goes to, you know, the, the yards per carry and the fact that Jalen Hurts does offer so much threat you know, rushing the football to the point where they are having a higher yards per carry with him in the fold very much so than when they're not going to have him in the fold. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're you're hinting at, right? Some of these third and four type situations, even like the third and seventh situations where Nick Sirianni is probably more confident in being a little bit sharp and potentially running in those situations to set up a fourth and, and very short, you know, conversion situation. It seems like they are probably, you know, leading more in the passing department in that scenario with, you know, Gardner Minshew at quarterback. But I, I think that was very much, I would say, going to probably be, you know, the concern or drop-off between Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew because Minshew is very much a guy that can, you know, be accurate in some of these low dot type throws. But changing the Philadelphia Eagles offense pretty substantially in order to kind of be efficient was not really something that we, I, I think we saw them, you know, kind of force – uh, you know, through the last three weeks of the season. So uh, I do think that it's going to be, um, you know, a, a spot where they can definitely, I would say, kind of pick up where they left off with Jalen Hurts, at quarterback, and very much still have those RPO options, very much have, you know, guys like Miles Sanders with more room to operate in the running game than what they had with Gardner Minshew. And I think that is, you know, once again, probably going to make some of the bigger plays, I would say, easier to hit as well. So uh, although that's been the change in the offense, I expect, you know, 
here on Sunday, especially early on, uh, we probably see, you know, the, the early season Eagles performance from an offensive perspective and very much kind of get on that right track uh, to, to, to kind of be hitting on all cylinders once the divisional round does come up. Uh, speaking of the division round, Ben, we were discussing tonight, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential scenarios the NFL could um, could do when it comes to the Bills-Bengals and a reschedule. One of them that was thrown out uh, today by Mike Florio was kind of staggering the playoffs in the first round. Basically, next week, the NFC playoffs would start along with the Bills-Bengals. The next week would be the AFC wildcard, and the NFC would be off. And then the following week it would start back up kind of like normal with both divisional rounds. And we were debating earlier whether or not for the Eagles, if that actually would be a good thing or a bad thing. So the good would be, well, they get an extra week of rest. So all their injured players would get an extra week. But Ben, I, I was saying the other side of it is part of the, the advantage of having the bye is the team you play just had to play the week before. That, that This the whole idea would negate that. So if they play the Cowboys or, or Bucks, those teams also would be coming off a bye week. Right, yeah, and it is a pretty, you know, drastic change to what, you know, is supposed to be, you know, the best opportunity to kind of get through the conference championship with that buy in hand. So, I, and that's the, the, you know, kind of the difficult synopsis that the NFL finds themselves in is that, you know, if they do force the Bills um, and the Bengals to probably play this game out, at some point that team, those two teams specifically are going to have very, um, very drastic, I would say, rest differentials in teams that they're going to face off against. And I also think that, kind of like you said, the, the Eagles situation specifically and the team that does get you know, the number one seed in the AFC as well uh, are very much probably not going to have as big of an advantage, especially if they shuffle things around from the buy perspective. So the, the competitive um, for how they actually handle this situation, I think, is going to be you know, a, a, a difficult situation is going to impact, you know, certain teams in certain ways, but they're, they're very much, I would say, is not, you know, a, a fair or correct answer right now to that question. Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, joining us here as we discuss week uh, 18 in the NFL, the Eagles situation, and what the NFL does here um, moving forward with the Bengals and, and the Bills here uh, after Monday night. Ben, the other thing that really stood out uh, just after the game Sunday with the Eagles, and I, I don't know if it's getting talked about enough, is they're five sacks away from setting the all-time team NFL record. I don't know there's an extra game now, but even if you just take it from where it is now through 16 games, they have 68 sacks, which I think would rank fourth all-time. This pass rush, it's been incredible. Last year they were 30th in sacks. This year they're obviously first, led by Hassan Reddick. Um, what, what have you noticed this year with this? Because there's not one guy, right? Reddick leads the team, but it's not like they have a true all-pro in this group that no doubt all-pro or no doubt future Hall of Famer other than Sue, and he just got here. Um, it really feels like a nondescript group of really good players that have put together an amazing collective season. Yeah, and I think it speaks to, yeah, kind of like you said, like they have a number of guys coming from another number of different situations. They don't really have to do it from you know a high blitz rate type scenario. I think PFF has them as very much like a league average blitz rate, so it has really been these front four guys. They have, you know, no no one guy has had like the the, the defensive player of the year type season or the gaudy stats to really carry it. But it's but but I think it very much speaks to you know an overall defensive scheme that they are winning pass rush snaps, you know, at a high rate and in some ways very capable. I would say of kind of taking taking advantage of like the weakest link that the offensive line is kind of giving them, and that's kind of the situation that they are targeting you know, through stunts and various other options with how they're lining up in the gaps. And I think that through that and the defensive scheme and everything else, like it's very much a situation where the sum 
are is greater than the parts. And I think you've kind of seen that play out with the high sack rate. Uh, you know, we have them basically with the highest pressure rates. Um, I think it's more like the fourth highest pressure, total pressures in football, highest pressure rate. So it's very much been, I would say, you know, an overall team effort. And I think that it speaks to, you know, a longevity and a, a situation where you can probably bank on that being close to the expectation for when they do face off against some of these good teams coming up in the playoffs. Ben, great stuff, man. Always appreciate hopping on. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Have a great show. There he goes. Ben Brown, pro football focus there, joining us, throwing some A dot out there with the uh, the Eagles in their passing game. Talking about Tucker's all excited with the A dot. A dot reference from him. Average depth of target? Yeah, it sounds a lot less impressive when you say what it is. You, so you, you think, spell it out like you that. You think A dot just sounds cool? Like you just throw, I mean, some of the statistics will sound cool. Like you throw out a number, it's like, yeah. It's, I mean, if there's one group of people who I think are the coolest in sports, it's analytics people. <laughs> I don't care about your football guys or former players. It's analytics nerds. I've, I agree. I think we had a nice balance here tonight over the last hour. We had a, a, a an Eagles Hall of Famer who played on one of the most popular teams we've ever seen in this city come in here and talk to us about the team and the game coming up in uh, NU Douglas. And then we had Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus. I feel like we really balanced things out over the last hour. Me too. We got we got it from all sides, you all did. angles. All right, 215-592-9494. I want to throw out this because this – I think – if I'm correct on this, I think last evening the NFL planned the NFL Network had planned a TV show to um, like a special to un- to unveil the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year, and I think they scrapped the show because of obviously what's going on um, with the the tragic situation right now, you know, in Cincinnati and in the hospital and and just you know awaiting news and hopefully good news on Demar Hamlin. So they had this show planned. For the, I think it was either last night or two nights ago. I've lost track of days here. Today's Wednesday, so last night was supposed to be this this unveiling of the list. And they decided to hold off. I guess instead of doing the TV show, they just, they're just putting this out there tonight. Like, hey, here are Hall of Fame finalists. Yeah, go follow the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Twitter. All right, so we have 15. Is that it, the 15 finalists of the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year? Yes, All I right. believe so. Here we are, the modern era finalists. And as I, re- I roll through these names, I got to tell you, I'm feeling pretty old. I, I'm feeling pretty old because I think all but one of the names that I saw earlier, unless I'm just unless I've blanked on this guy and, and where and when he played, but I think all but one of these guys I watched their career from start to finish. The guy you're thinking of started in '83. So no, so I missed the beginning of his career. So that that's why it wasn't as familiar to me. Okay. Here are the modern era finalists, the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, who remarkably came up with Tucker and I's conversation before the show for no reason. No. It was like, and it wasn't about his Hall of Fame candidacy. It was just. It was because I accidentally called somebody else Willie Anderson. Yeah. And then I said to you, no, he played, like, we remember he, he was a, a Bengals tackle. Anyway, Jared Allen, Willie Anderson, Rondé Barber, Dwight Freeney. Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Albert Lewis. He was the one that was uh, his career began. He played all the way through '98. I'm just tell me more about him. I'm blanking on on him and his career. Uh, so he started in in '83. So before I was, I mean, I was, before uh, I was with born. the Kansas City Chiefs. Played there until '93, and then went to the Raiders in '94, and played there through '98. 
So Albert Lewis. Okay, so when He's I a four-time start- Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, but all in the late '80s. Okay, well, that's that was probably it. But by the time I was, you know, I was old enough to understand he was he was past his prime. Uh, Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. You know what my problem every year is with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's happened more recently, in the last ten years or so. Because what's how do they do? It? It's five, five, max of five. Is that it or six? I think it's five. Okay. Every time I look at this list, I think they're all Hall of Famers, and, and I don't feel that way in baseball. Like I think in the next couple of weeks we're gonna have the baseball announcement. It's, it's probably this year gonna only be Scott Rowland, if I had to guess. I always think when I look at the football list, like you know, maybe not all fifteen, but if I had to, if I had to ballpark it right now. I would say without question, Darrell Rivas, uh, Joe Thomas, Dwight Freeney, Andre Johnson. Like I wouldn't even. I, I'm not even gonna. It's not even a consideration that they're they're not yeses. They're all Hall of Famers. Darrell Rivas should go in tomorrow. Uh, Joe Thomas should go in tomorrow. I would put Dwight Freeney. I would put uh, Andre Johnson in without question. I think DeMarcus Ware was a Hall of Fame player. Um, Zach Thomas certainly is deserving of consideration. I thought Patrick Willis, a shorter career, but he was he was a Hall of Famer. I mean, he was a dominant player in his time. Torrey Holt has a very compelling case to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, I I think half these guys should go. It's hard. Like, there's always a logjam because there's so many great players, and they have the limit of the five. Yeah, and they try to clear it up with their committees and stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to wide receivers, like guys like Torrey Holt and Andre Johnson, who were among their best or at the top of the game when they played, you look at their numbers and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and those guys like do it now just because yeah. of the way the game is played. Like, unfortunately, because of the increased offense in, in modern football, a lot of these guys' numbers don't stack up. Yeah, I just think, and I really think this with every sport, were you one of the top at your position for an extended period during your era? I mean, isn't that the only way to do it? Statistics are just – because if we go by statistics for the NFL, every offensive number with passing now blows away everything in the past. Like, if you look at Joe Namath's numbers, Terry Bradshaw's numbers – I mean, obviously Bradshaw won a lot of Super Bowls, so it's a different case. But let's just go to Joe Namath, right? He had the one special moment in his, in his career. Joe Namath's passing numbers now are worse than every starting quarterback in the league. Every one. So you can't go by numbers. It's It's got to be beyond numbers here – for, for offensive players, specifically the passing game. So you can't go with that. But it's a good class. I mean, I, I think it, well, it's a good it's a good uh, group of finalists here. Revis, Joe Thomas feel like locks. I feel like they're going to the Hall of Fame right now. You know who should be on this list? Who's that? Harold Jackson. But is, 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 so what's the modern era? Is that just the Super Bowl era? Yeah, I don't think he's eligible, if I'm being honest. Well, yeah. Is he run out of eligibility? Is that how this works? I mean, probably. He retired back in 1983. Yeah, I mean, when, when when did we work that in? Like three weeks ago on a Friday night, just threw Harold Jackson in the open? Yeah. It's a good show. And I still feel that way. I mean, the guy had 3,000-yard seasons in the 70s, was probably the best wide receiver of that decade, had multiple receiving titles. It's probably the first great deep threat in the history of football, averaged yeah. 18 yards per catch. Well, I mean, you're short-circuiting Tommy McDonald here? Is it- yeah, a little bit. Deep threat, uh, but he was one. Of, I mean, certainly one of the, the early deep threats. In... He finished second in MVP voting. Joe, how many wide receivers finished second in MVP voting? Not many. Your boy Justin Jefferson can do that. 
He might at some point. Maybe not this year, but at some point. Um, but by the way, Justin Jefferson, and he's a great player. He's got this weird knack for like having these disappearing acts. He did it against the Eagles. He did it again this Sunday against the uh, Packers. What's that? What's that? What's going on with your boy Justin Jefferson? So he has ten games with over a hundred yards, and he has two games with under twenty. That that's strange for a player that that's that good. Like he had three for fourteen against Detroit, one for fifteen against Green Bay. I mean, he literally was invisible in that game against Green Bay. But that other game against Detroit, he had 11 for 223. I know. That's why he's, he's unbelievable. And the other game against Green Bay, he had 9 for 184 and two touchdowns. Yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, and he's probably going to – he won't – I don't think he's getting to 2,000 yards. He, he That game he had against Green Bay threw that off. Pretty sure if you go on FanDuel, they have an odds boost for it. For him to reach 2,000. Yeah. Like It pays out like plus 700 for him to get like 230 yards this weekend. Yeah, the problem with that one is, are they? Is it worth it for them to play him in the fourth quarter of the game against the Bears? I mean, it probably isn't worth it for him to play the first quarter well, against right. the Bears. I mean, like, I think what's and we'll do props. On, we always do props on Friday night. Some, excuse me, some of those um, props this week that you're going to see for milestones, they're sucker bets. If the team has everything locked up, they're not going to let the player play four quarters to get it. Uh, you know, like if it's a, it's a, it's a record. You know, who was it last year? T.J. Watt was tracing Strahan? Yeah. Yeah, like that's a little bit different. That's an NFL record. Remember like, the Eagles brought in Devontae Smith for a quarter so he could break Deshaun Jackson's rookie record? Right. And I think some of those things, um, there's certainly an angle you could bet on those things because it's like, oh, I think uh, I, Albert Breer this week in uh, Sports Illustrated wrote about the players that have incentives. And the couple Jaguars receivers are like four and five catches away from, you know, $100,000 bonus. Like that's plausible. Like that makes some sense. But yeah, I mean, if the if the Vikings let Justin Jefferson stay on the field in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game just so they can, you know, find their way, find his way to two thousand yards, it'd be a shame. I mean, it would be a shame if they let that happen because he'd get hurt and then he can't play in the playoff game the following week. But it, it is, it is. I feel old. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I feel old watching and looking at the monitor of finalists because I watched the I watched the bulk of their career for everyone, I guess, including Albert Lewis, who I forgot about. Yeah, I felt that way when I first started seeing people retire who I remember when they were drafted. Like, I remember when Eli Manning got drafted. I remember that whole story. When he retired, I'm like, wow, that that makes me feel old. So Lewis was a DB? Yeah. I'm trying to remember him. I guess 15 years as a defensive back is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers right now. So, yeah, I mean... It kind of lines up with my memory of, of the game. So I was born 86. 94 was the first Super Bowl I remember watching, like, start to finish as a kid. I feel like 93 is when I started really, like, paying attention. So he had six interceptions in 93. It was his, He only had four more the rest of his career. Like, he was a star, like Tucker said, mid-80s, Pro Bowl, the la- uh, 87, 88, 89, 90. That's when he was an all-pro that was a little bit before I could understand what was going on. Um, and then after that, you know, he, he was he played, but he obviously wasn't a star player anymore. Um, but everybody else in this list, every other finals, I watched the start of their career through the end of their career. I am officially old, and it, it feels that way watching this, uh, watch these Hall of Fame finalists pop up tonight. 215-592-9494. Lot to react to on the other side in a wild Sixers-Pacers game. Next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.